0: Well, good morning. I hope your week is is going fine. Uh, your Sunday is a beautiful Sunday. I pray for your week, and uh, very happy to be in front of you this morning. Uh, for those that are new to us this morning, welcome. My name is Jeff Rowley. I'm one of the pastoral shepherds here at Redwood Red Christian Church. And we're in the trans- transition of acquiring a new pastor, but again, it's in God's hands, God's will. So very excited to what, have, what God has for us this summer, and I'm, I'm very, very excited to what he has in store for all of you. Um, we are moving into a new series starting today. We uh, finish up the fruit of the spirit, and we're going to go right into the introduction of James, the book of James. Uh, I will give you an introductory uh, summary of this book this morning, and then we're going to go into the several chapters of James. Uh, I have to admit that (laughs) when I'm studying this book, I, I, I was challenged, I was challenged by the Spirit because it is, it's fascinating. It's probably one of my my uh, favorite books in the whole New Testament. And it's one of those books where you think, oh man, God is just talking to my heart and He just throws it at you. It's in your face type of a scripture. So um, we're going to learn uh, a little bit about the the book of James this morning. And what I would like to do is start out with reading the first chapter of James, verse 1 through 8. If you have your Bibles with you, we'll turn to chapter 1, verse uh, 1, and starting in verse 1. And I'm reading out of the NIV uh, Bible. Starting in verse 1, James, a servant of God of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must be believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord such a person of double-minded and unstable in all they do. Let's open up in prayer. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity that we can come together. Lord, be with me, be with the Scripture, be with your Word, and Lord, help us to open our hearts to what James has to say. Father, we're so grateful to be in your house, and we thank you. We thank you for your love upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to launch... Uh, our exploration through the book of James, and I would like to start out um, with the book as a a trivia, kind of a trivia question and answer type of a thing. I don't know if some, some of you are in my, small, well, in my small group in general. We're doing the answers curriculum. And it's fascinating some of the questions that they ask in this series. And it's, uh, it just gets our, our minds thinking and, and more in depth of what uh, Scripture is talking about in this, in this, uh, this uh, curriculum. And it, it just gets us all in this round table of discussion. So trivia is really good. It's really good. If you don't know the answer, well, you will know the answer. So it's a win-win situation. So here we go. Question one. James is located in the Old Testament or the New Testament? Yeah. All right. It gets harder, folks. <laughs> James is the what number book of the 27 New Testament books? 20. 20. All right, all right. A little harder. Okay, next question: How many different Jameses? Let me read, read that. How many different Jameses are there in the New Testament? Not books, but people. A lot. A lot. <laughs> all right. So when I was studying this, it it was contradicting itself. I, I I've seen four, and I've seen five. I'm going to go with five, okay? So we have James, the son of Zebedee, and the brother of John who you see mentioned in Matthew 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 21. And this James is the disciple of the apostle of Christ. Then you have James, the son of Atheus, named in Matthew chapter 10, verse 3, also called James the less or James the younger. And also one of the apostles. The third James is James, the father of the apostle named Judas. Reference in Luke chapter 6, verse 16. And then you have James, the half-brother of Jesus. Also known in the church tradition as James the Just. So identified in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55. Now, you also have James, son of Mary. Now, this is not... The Mary who gave birth to to Christ, okay? So what is that, five? Five. Correct me if I'm wrong. All right, we'll move forward. Who is the author of the book of James? And simply saying James does not count. Which James? I'll let you think a little bit about that. This one's a little bit harder, Uh, In fact, the authorship of this book is one of the more disputed ones in the New Testament, um, if not the the entire Bible. Um, But we can try a little process of elimination here. So let's start with, for instance, when you look at Acts 12, that seems to give us an indication that James, the son of Zebedee, died about 44 A.D., that date, which will give you a hint for future trivia questions, make it unlikely that it was the author of the book of James. Still possible, but not probable. Then you have someone like James, the son of a- Atheus. He is so unknown and ref- referenced in the, in the, in the, so little in the Bible, we don't know much about him. That it would not seem he would have been able to get away with a simple self-designation of James at this point of of the scripture. Then that brings us to James, the half-brother of Jesus. It appears that this James, James the Just, is the likelihood the author of the book of James. So, all right, moving on. Moving on to question five. When was the book of James written? Now, this is, this, there's some contradictory um, statements in this too, but now again, this is not universally agreed upon. Okay? What we do know is that the evidence is strong that James is one of the oldest books in the New Testament. However, there are not only, there's, there's no references really to, to this. So from James to the relationship with Jesus, but there are also so specific references to time or events that would indicate a particular date, okay? So the number of people will give the book a date somewhere between A.D. 44 and A.D. 62, okay? The first date, A.D. 44, is the time when James became the leader of the Jerusalem church, uh, taking Peter's place after he was released from prison. We can find this in Acts 12. The second date is the date given by the famous first century Jewish historian named uh, uh, Josephus. And he gives the date AD 62 as a time of the, the Martyrdom of James. So, so in the end, most people go with an early date around AD forty-six, uh, which depending on your age, might argue argue in the mid 40s or late 40s, okay? All right, well, let's move on to question 6. So, who was the book of James written to? Okay. Well, the Jewish believers. Twelve the 12 tribes. Yes, we'll talk about that here in a in a in a few seconds. Now, um, you will notice something different here compared to the Philippians or many other letters in the New Testament. Rather than being a specific church uh, or a specific town or area, James indicates that this is for the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad. And, And why is this important? They're scattered abroad. And we'll get into that here in a few minutes. Well, rather than addressing the specific issue that would impact a given group, James is more a general letter, okay? He's not writing to the city of Grants Pass. He's not writing to the city of Sacramento. He's not writing to Los Angeles, California. I wish he did, but he is not. He is writing to the problem that a type of believer might experience wherever they are at, okay? In other words, it is not geographically cultural, where it would only make sense to people in certain areas. It is more racially cultural, where it would make sense to a Jewish believer in any number of locations. Do you see the difference here? And... It is at this point that our trivia game probably switches direction. Rather than me asking you the questions, you probably now want to ask me a question. For instance, why would we study a book of the Bible with arguable authorship, questionable dating, and apparently a target audience of Jewish believers? It's a good question, isn't it? In fact... Those types of issues make this letter of James probably one of the most overlooked books in the New Testament. In other words, one of the last documents that the crafters of our, Bibles, of our Bible felt belonged in this thing we would come to refer to as the Word of God. Okay? So why? We ask that question. Why study the book of James? There's a few reasons for this. I think, personally, this is a great book. It's an awesome book. First, because it's one of the most overlooked books of the New Testament. Now, you've got to think about how many quotes, references, studies, sermons, and other forms of referral you see to the Gospels. The book of Acts and all the letters written by Paul. In fact, even Revelation. Revelation which will leave even the most scholarly among us confused. This little book gets more attention than any other book uh, when you read it. Even when you compare it to book series or video series or uh, TV series, the sheer volume of the New Testament work and the ability to ignore this book draws me closer to it. It's a very important book. Another reason is understanding the 12 tribes. And, uh, and while such a term, the 12 tribes, initially referred to the Jews that were scattered throughout the Mediterranean world, outside of Israel, having been scattered to these lands during the cap- captivities of the Old Testament, it also reached a point of including Gentile believers as well, having become part of what is known as the spiritual Israel at that point, after the death of resurrection of Christ. Now, you may have heard undertones of this debate from time to time. When God refers to his chosen people, does that just mean the original nation of Israel or through Christ's death did all believers become part of the spiritual Israel? If you look at the Paul... If you look at what Paul writes, okay, he says there is no designation based on race or nationality in the kingdom of God. So why James wrote this to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, I believe as history has unfolded, he is now writing to all believers, all of us, and writing to us with a practical life application. It's an application Another reason to study the book of James is because the message of James has been so twisted and misquoted from the early church history. This book was not without critics. In fact, Dr. Martin Luther King, this was not one of his favorite books. He detested this book. He he just thought it centered too much on works rather than faith. And it did, not, it did not mention Christ. Okay? So you have, you have these situations where you, this book does not have, you know, without its critics about what it all stands for. Now, what I hope that you understand through this journey of James is that James was not teaching that good works can lead to salvation, but moreover that doing good works is an expression of one's faith, This letter isn't much a guide on how to become a Christian as it is a plea to his readers to live a a vital, active, and practical Christian life, to get real about living their lives. Again, like I mentioned earlier, this is a book, scriptures that God just throws in your face and says, wake up, wake up. Now, both Jesus and James were easy to understand. Simply simple explanations to all could get the point they were trying to make. Jesus and James pull no punches and never do when it comes to the facts about things. So you also see that James, just as Jesus did with the listeners, urges obedience from its from its readers. That's where it starts. It's at obedience. It tells them to get real about life. Okay, James and Jesus also entered their days in very similar ways, including ancient accounts that as James was being killed, he was echoing the words that his brother had spoken when he was killed. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. All right, I've given you some background, but I think it's important stuff at the start of our exploration together. So let's look at a few verses from this book this morning. And as I read, um, I want to look at two things this morning. We mentioned the scriptures, we read the scriptures. The first is a sort of an exercise in reverse logic. Now, if you notice in the first four verses of chapter one, James walks us through the path of connected kind of activities and emotions. Jim, you want to go back to Scripture? There we go. Thanks. This is similar to something you see a few other places in the New Testament. Now, keep your finger in the book of James, okay? We're we're going to go over to Romans. Romans chapter 5. And listen to the first five verses. So hold your place in James and then go over to chapter five. Listen to the first uh, first five verses. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, you know, the, verse, the first five verses, you see if it can pick up any of the similarities. You see any similarities in James? and, and Okay, so you got that. Okay. Some a similar language and logical uh, progression of tribulations leading to the, the more godly character that we are experiencing. Now, move back past the book of James to 1 Peter. So if you go to the right, you'll hit 1 Peter. We're going to uh, read verse 6 through verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 through 9. In all this you greatly rejoice, though how for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, honor, when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you have loved him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith and the salvation of your souls. Again, Similar language, testing, leading to greater character. Now back to James. Now jump to the end of this little progression with me. He says in verse 4, so the end goal here is to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So James is leading us to a place that we as a body believe we are to be striving for. The place of wholeness. We have completeness. And look at how we get there. As we step back through this passage, we see it takes, what does it take? Perseverance, which is patience. The work of patience is to make us perfect. All right, here we go, folks. Just think about how many sins whether actions or attitudes come about simply due to impatience, hey? Think about that. It happens a lot. Just drive down Redwood Freeway here or highway and you'll experience impatience. So remember, patience is essential to uh, perfection, um, it, you know, it has been said that patience is something you admire in the driver behind you, like I said, on Redwood Highway. Uh, every morning when I'm going to work, you got to have patience. But how do you get patience? <coughs> there you go. Now, according to James, take another step back. We obtain patience through the testing of our... Faith, absolutely. This is important, okay? Remember that, testing of our faith. We assume that if we fall, we aren't born again, okay? If we stumble, then we are, aren't truly converted. If we have the old desires, then we must not be the new creation. <coughs> Excuse me. That isn't what God's word says. It says that these faith tests, or as we will see in a moment, these temptations are part of the process of building patience, which is part of the process of becoming perfect. Okay. And how is our faith tested? Trials. trials, through various trials. Now, what does that mean? Okay. Some translations refer to the trial. Some use the words many kinds of troubles, but trials. All right? This is important for a couple reasons. Um, in those verses, James addresses temptations, where they come from, whether God tempts us, and in good issues related to that topic. Okay, But he is saying when we are facing a wide variety of temptations, count that joy. We must be joyful in that because that is a testament of your faith, and it produces patience. And when the full work of patience produces or production is complete, You will come to a point of completeness and perfection and lacking nothing. Now, James completes this logical progression by saying, You will be lacking nothing, you will be complete. This is in verse 5. He gets more specific. When you come to that point of perfection, you will be lacking nothing. In the meantime, you are lacking some things. And one of them is wisdom. So if you're lacking wisdom, James writes, let me tell you what to do. What do you do? Ask. ask. Absolutely, ask. Now, when you follow this passage thoroughly, it does not say that if you ask God for anything, you ask in faith without doubting, you will receive it. Nor does it say that if you ask God for anything, you say healing and financial blessings or something like that, or um, have some doubts in your mind about it, that you are double-minded. That is a common misinterpretation of God's word, to take a specific item, a specific item, and then generalize it to everything, okay? Now, I'm going to go back to Second Chronicles. And just bear with me, I have to keep moving along here. So if you want to go back to Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 8, it reads, Solomon, answered God, you have shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father, David, be confirmed. For you have made me king over people who were as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. This is a great biblical example of someone asking God for, for wisdom. So do you see how easy it is for us to stretch God's word? We take a verse that says, if you lack wisdom, <clears throat> a specific thing, you ask for it, and he will provide it. That same specific thing, then we take it to mean, if you lack anything, ask God for it, and he will give it to you. So remember, that loose interpretation leads to such things as name it, claim it type of a scenario. I can ask God for anything without doubting and he has to give it to me. Be careful. Then notice this. Mentions in scripture, he is double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Catch this with me. A double-minded, very literally, two-minded in fact. If you get to the heart of those words, there can even be um, this idea of two souls. Two allegiances in your very spirit, thinking of life in two different ways. Sometimes thinking of life through the perspective of a mighty God, able to provide wisdom when needed. Sometimes through the perspective of helplessness. So if you can't figure anything out, where is God? Guess I'll have to search other places for wisdom. Maybe my horoscope, maybe my friend, maybe my co worker. Okay. And check out the implications of, of that type of thinking. That person is what? Unstable in all of his ways. And here you can make a larger generalization because here it doesn't say that this person's unstable in their wisdom or is unstable in their methodology of asking God for direction. No, no. The person that is double minded, the person that asks God for wisdom but doubts he will really get it, that person is unstable in all his ways, in every area. I have to admit that I'm very uncomfortable with this distance we have put between ourselves and the Holy Spirit. Okay? That divine leading of the Holy Spirit. I want to be as close as possible as I can. If I read this correctly, as a believer, when I lack wisdom, I ask God to provide it. And I I am to ask him to provide it in a manner that believes he actually will. Okay, And according to his word, he will provide that wisdom. Unfortunately, Churches today have become double-minded in some instances. There are examples of that happening right now. Um, we want to look at places for solutions, directions, and guidance, places other than God. <coughs> and God forbid if someone actually comes to us and tells us that they have asked God for wisdom. It's not easy. And He has provided it. You know, what do we say? What do we have? How do we react to that? So again, here we are with the book of James. This is in-your-face type of material. Let us put this all together. You are going to experience a wide range of temptations in your life. All, every one of us will. Yes. When you do, you should consider them with joy because that testing is a testing of your faith. And how you react to it is what God puts on your heart. The fruit of the Spirit is being harvested in you, as we mentioned in our last series. And if you allow that patience to complete its full work, you will be perfect and complete. You will lack nothing. So consider these temptations with joy. You'll, you'll know. You'll know. They can lead you to your holiness. Remember that. That can lead you to your holiness. In the meantime, if you lack the wisdom to deal with these temptations, ask God. He will give the wisdom you need. But you better not ask with doubts. Okay? You cannot doubt. Don't be double-minded asking God to help you. <clears throat> not, if you're not totally sold out to the confidence and assurance that God loves you and desires to help complete you, because if you show that doubt, you are showing yourself to be a very unstable person. Your faith is not sincere. And your, your loyalty does not reside complete with God. So remember that. <clears throat> so let me... Hey, right, it's deep. A lot of deep stuff, okay? That's the book of James. And I'm happy to say that we're going to move forward into the book of James and it's going to open our eyes and open our hearts. So let me close with a story that I, I, I read. Um, it's it's a very powerful relating to um, this scripture. Um, now there's a mountain climber. Uh, he had great ambition who had a lofty goal of climbing a mountain near his home. He was desperate to complete his climb, and after years of training and planning, began to climb. Now, this is a professional mount climber. He trained for years for this. I think most mount climbers have to train for years. I couldn't do it. So he decided to continue climb. He, he climbed this mountain. Soon it, it was dark. There was no moon. Clouds obscured the stars. All that he could see was all-consuming darkness that developed him. That'd be scary, wouldn't it? As he groped his way towards the top, nearing the completion of his climb, his feet slipped on some loose granite, and he fell into the vast darkness. That'd be scary. Just, just as he was sure, just as he was sure death had come, he was jolted to reality. Like any good mountain climber, he had driven a peg and tied off the safety line, which, though nearly tearing him in half, had just saved his life. Okay, So he suspended in darkness. He did the only thing he knew to do. He held on to the rope with all he had and cried out, God, save me. Help me. God heard his cry and answered with, Do you think I am able to save you? And he responded, Of course, you are God. Save me. Then God responds, Then take your knife and cut the rope that is holding you up. Okay? The man stared blankly and silently into the darkness, holding on to the rope, more tightly than before. the next morning, the rescue squad found the man frozen to death, suspended at the end of his safety rope, two feet above the ground.. <laughs> so I do not desire to be double-minded man or a pastoral shepherd. I do not desire to come across those moments in life when I need God's help, God's direction. And my prayer life suggests that I'm not really sure God can impart His wisdom to me. No, I want to learn that in those moments when my faith is being tested, when my patience is being strengthened, When I'm lacking the wisdom to know what to do next, I can boldly go to the Father and ask him for wisdom, and he will provide it. And when he does, I want to be someone who acts on it. Rather than hanging around, waiting for a second opinion, or hoping maybe God will provide some other options. So what about you? What about you? Whatever situation you're facing today, if it's financial, emotional, spiritual, that place is where you are at loss. Without a clue, you're lost. There is an answer that is available. God, in his infinite wisdom, can guide and direct you. And the only thing you have to do is ask. But let me caution you, if you are ready to ask God for wisdom, you believe he will provide it, and when he provides it, be willing to act on it, okay? Be willing to act on it. All right, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful that we can have patience We have the the ability to follow your will. We feel your spirit, Father, and we just thank you for the opportunity that you can give us the wisdom to move forward, Father. I pray for each one of us today. if If we face challenges in our lives, we know that we can look towards you for answers and directions. And we're just so grateful that you are a part of our life. Father, I pray for us today. And thank you for everything that you have done in our lives. We thank you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Now, before I leave, I just want to mention that in the next several weeks, we are going to be talking about the perseverance under trials, the doers of this world, partiality, faith and works, the tongue, wisdom from above, choose your friendship God or the world, know your place, earthly riches, patience, final thoughts, swearing, power, prayer, and reconciliation. Those are all what we're looking forward to in the book of James. And uh, I pray that you'll be able to, to follow that journey with us. All right.